the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to The Sleeper on the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and today I'm joined by a pinch hitter for Eno Saris, and it's Rotograss contributor and ranker extraordinaire Zach Sanders back on again. And, uh, of course, we'll be discussing the updated consensus rankings that we've been publishing all week tirelessly. And, uh, Zach, I mean, how much do you enjoy the comments every single month we do this everybody's always complaining about the jeff zimmerman column do you get as much entertainment out of it as i do i find it somewhat flattering that people at least you know care (laughs) enough to comment i don't know if that's a good thing or it means they need to move on with their lives and find something better to care about but I, i don't mind it so much i just you know don't take it too much to heart I think it's funny. It's the same song and dance every month. Actually, you know what I really like? I like when we're in like the second base rankings and somebody's like, Justin Verlander, where is he? Oh, I, I like to think they're kidding, but sometimes I like to <laughs> yeah. think they're not. Well, I, it always happens when we split up the uh, starting pitchers between AL and NL, and, and somebody always screws that one up. And at this point, I think it's a joke, but I, I think it's hilarious when they actually do it for uh, a hitter rather than the pitcher's list. So good job, listeners, and uh, keep coming up with funny comments to keep our days brightened. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the most interesting player alive today, and that's Robinson Cano. Actually, he's number two. Chris Davis, of course, number one. He's becoming the new Miguel Cabrera. He's always going to be at the top of the list. So Cano uh, had to leave the All-Star game early after he was hit by a Matt Harvey pitch on his quad. He seems like he's going to be okay. Any concerns there, uh, Zach, on his health? No, I mean, he seemed fine when he was walking off the field. And the big thing is that it wasn't a knee injury because that's what it looked like originally. That pitch looked like it bounced right off the kneecap, and it didn't look like it felt too good. Yeah. As long as it's not the knee, I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, it looked like it hit just above that more muscle rather than bone, which is a good thing. And the interesting thing is he's actually a a good example of the whole – myth regarding position scarcity because the Yankees not position scarcity I'm sorry protection because the Yankees lineup has been completely shattered and torn by injuries this year and so Cano has not really had a very good lineup around him and especially behind him Travis Hafner started off the season uh, very hot but he's slowed down considerably since and check out Robinson Cano's walk rate it's easily a career high and so you have to assume it's because pitchers are pitching around him because they don't fear anybody behind him. And so this is, to me, basically protection in action. And the funny thing is that his the rest of his performance is just as good as it's always been. So just because he has no protection, he actually hasn't gotten hit in his performance, but he's walking more, which is exactly what people who argue that it is a myth in the way that many people think that the effects are but it's, it's doing what they say, that it's not going to affect their overall performance. It's just the shape of their performance is going to differ. 
Yeah, I think it's just him being more patient, realizing that, yeah, he's not going to get the kind of pitches he might have before with the protection around him. But, I mean, to be honest, he probably hasn't seen great pitches over the last three or four years since he's really come on the scene. He's, you know, maybe people don't think of it that way, but he's been their really their best hitter and most consistent hitter. So I don't think this is that much of a change to what he's seen in the past. You know what's interesting also about Cano specifically is that Bill Petty uh, in the preseason released a new metric called Clifford that tried to look at bust candidates based on some advanced metrics. I know some of the plate discipline metrics were part of that. And Cano was one of those. I think there were only like five hitters that were included in that list. And it was based on his Z contact percentage, which took a dive last year suddenly. Sure enough, Cano is right back to normal in Z contact, and it looked like that last year was just a fluke. And so we have to remember that even though players can trend in the wrong direction, there's just as good a chance that they reverse course and they rebound back to historical levels. Yeah, I think especially that happens with a guy like you know Cano. I mean, I think more of the bus candidates, you look at the guys who may have been in the league one or two years, but you got a guy Cano who's been doing it over and over and over again, and he was still on the right side of 30. It's not even something really, even though the metric may say it, it's not something you really worry about. All right, let's move along to our first position for the updated consensus ranks. And basically, the rest of the show, it's going to work like this. So uh, I checked out every position, and uh, I took a look to see who you liked a lot more than the rest of us or disliked a lot more, and I'm going to ask you about it, pepper you with questions, make you as uncomfortable as possible. How did that sound? <laughs> it sounds like I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with catchers. And there actually wasn't any player that you liked or disliked significantly more than the rest of us. But there was a guy I did want to ask you about. I don't think we've talked about him much on the podcast, and that's Mike Napoli. So you ranked him 11th. Uh, me and Eno, we were at 5 and 6th overall, and the consensus was at 7th. So why do you not like Mike Napoli as much as we do? I mean, it seems like maybe I am still holding out a sliver of hope here, and maybe um optimistic and, and, and shouldn't be as optimistic because, I mean, he's striking out a ton. Is that really the majority of the cause that uh, for concern that you have? I mean, that's the main cause. I don't. I hate the guys that are going to strike out that much. And while he does have power, he hasn't really shown it the last couple of months as much as he did, you know, we started the season. He started out the season on fire, and at that point I'd say, wow, you know, he kind of looked like he might be the top catcher. But now I drop him out of that top 10 because, you know, I worry about the hip, of course, because that was a big issue this offseason. And then, you know, he's playing first base, so it's not as big of a deal. But then they're still going to have to deal with competition from Mike Karp, who's been playing well. And if Karp keeps hitting when he's in the lineup, he may need to see the lineup more often as opposed to Napoli when the Red Sox get tired of all the strikeouts. Now, his home run per fly ball rate right now is at 14.5%. It's the second lowest of his career, his lowest since 2007. Are you concerned that that hip is is hurting his power, or do you see a rebound? I mean, last year he was at 25.5%. The year before, also 25%. And his career rate is near 20%. So do you see that home run per fly ball basically sitting around this level, or do you think it's going to increase as the season wears on? I think there's a little bit of an increase in store, but I think part of it's the hip, and part of it's just he's aging. You know, and catchers tend to age faster, even though he's – his workload, you know, wasn't huge over the last few years, but I just worry that it's not going to stay this low, but it's still going to be lower than we've seen in the past. That prodigious power is probably gone. His average fly ball plus home run distance 
is 289 feet this year. Last year, it was 290 feet. So he hasn't lost much distance, but that distance does not correlate whatsoever with a home run per fly ball as high as it was last year. So it seems like maybe there's something that the distance isn't capturing that he does that leads to more home runs. Or last year and the year before was the fluke, and his true talent is closer to what his rate is right now. So I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know how much the hip is affecting him. But uh, I guess he's uh, somebody who can go either way. I mean, his bad hip is by far a career high at 382. So you have to assume some regression there. But then again, his line drive rate is nearly 27%, which is also a career high. But you have to assume that's going to regress. But then again, you have to think that maybe his home run per fly ball should get better. So I'm on the fence here. I can see both ranks. I can see the optimism, obviously, that I used in ranking him. And I can see the pessimism in in the rank that you have at number 11. Uh, moving on to first base. First base is next. And you ranked Michael Kadire 26th overall. And uh, that compared to 17th in the consensus. I was most optimistic at 10. Eno was at 16. Uh, Jeff's combination of Zips and Steamer was at 16. So you're, you are a lot more pessimistic on Kadire than we were. Does injury risk and in, in his historical inability to stay on the field, how much did that factor in here? I'd say that was probably the main factor along with the fact that he's kind of having you know a career year late in his career, you know, for the most part. And, you know, I don't believe those to be sustainable. I like Kadire going forward. I think he's going to be a really solid player, but he's already hit more home runs than he did last year. And he's had less, you know, plate appearances this year. His BABIP's at 360 and his past high has never gone above 330. So it's all these little things combined. The, you know, he's the swinging strike rates higher than it has been since really 2004. So we're seeing, you know, essentially the most people have seen his career. I just don't think the combination plays out well. And, you know, I like him. I think he'll be a good player, but I don't want to count on him being my first baseman going forward. But do you think that part of his big improvement is just based on the ballpark? I mean, he came from a serious pitcher's park in Minnesota. Now he calls Coors Field home. He has a 389 bad bip at home versus 347 away. His ISO is in the stratosphere, isolated slugging percentage, at 283 at home. He's got a 1,068 OPS at home. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously he's never done this before, but he's also never called such a great hitter's park home. So do you think maybe that there is some sustainability just based on the park switch and the fact that he's always had power, he was just being held back by his park? Yeah, I think the power will stay there for, you know, as part of being sustainable, but I don't think the average will. You know, I think he can, in Coors, he can be a 25, 27 home run guy, but he's not going to hit 330. It's more like... 280, maybe 290, and, you know, that's great, but I don't think he can do that consistently going forward. And we're talking with that, you know, being the rest of the season, and that's good, but I don't – It's most of it's the health of me. I don't think he's going to stay on the field that often. You know what's amazing to me is that Michael Kadire is now 34 years old. He's not a thin, small guy. He's a, he's a big guy who's up there in age, yet he still steals bases. He has six steals and seven attempts. And and this is no fluke. I mean, he's been doing this his entire career. It's just crazy when guys at his age, his size, steal bases and, and give a nice little boost to his fantasy value. And you think that one of these years that's going to stop, kind of like Matt Holiday, and it hasn't. So I think I think that's one of the things that 
is kind of ignored with Kadir and gives his value a boost because you see the I mean he had eight steals last year in in a little more than half a season, eleven the year before. And it's something that you don't really necessarily give that much value to because it's from a first baseman and it's not a lot. But it shouldn't be ignored because, you know, a couple of steals here and there could be worth a point or two in the standings depending on how close those ca- that category is. Yeah, every little bit helps. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I agree that he definitely is an injury risk. I mean, he did miss time earlier in the season and he only had 358 at-bats last year. Of course, his bad bit probably going to come down some. His home over fly ball, probably a bit. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him a sell-high guy. Uh, and they think he will. I mean, obviously, based on my ranking, I was more optimistic than anybody. So I do think that he'll perform better than you expect. But clearly, Zach, your ranking definitely underlines the downside there is. So if you are risk-averse, then, then maybe he is a good sell-high guy. Yeah, I think he's the guy right now, if I had him looking to sell, you know, especially after he showed some power in the home run derby. Even every little bit on the national stage can help. All right, let's move along to second base. And uh, the first guy that opened my eyes is Kyle Seeger. You had him ranked fifth. I was at 10, and Eno was at 11. And he's a guy who I actually drafted in one league. It was my local league. And it was basically like, all right, I guess there's nobody left. I guess I'm going to just settle with Kyle Seager. No way did I ever expect this type of a season. I basically expected pretty much last year. I thought there was going to be some regression offset by a slightly better park to hit in. And and he's doing a lot more than that. I mean, he's this is a true breakout year for him. He's walking more. He's striking out less. He's hitting for a lot more power. The steals aren't really there like they were last year. But everything else looks pretty good. But clearly I'm not as optimistic as you on him continuing this type of season. Do you, I mean, do you think that his steals are going to rebound? No, I don't think he's really a stolen base guy. That's not really his game. and I don't think it really ever has been for the most part. His game is mostly going to be doubles and a good batting average and having a good eye. He may not have walked that much coming into the year, but he's always had a good eye. And he's had the ability to take a walk. And so I don't think, you know, all the power he's shown this year is probably real even with Safeco coming in a little bit. He's going to drop off a little bit, but he's still got really good power. He's a guy that I've seen play. You know, I get to see most days being up here in Seattle. So I could be a little biased, or maybe I'm the opposite of biased and I have more information. I, you know, I don't know. It's a constant balance. But I think Seager's a top guy at second base. Uh, you know, third base a little less so, of course, because it's a much more power position. But it's hard to get that kind of production from a second baseman, and I think it's a guy you're going to have to pay for next year if you want him. I would really be a little more optimistic here if he moved back into the three-hole. Uh, obviously, Raul Abanez has been as hot as anybody over the last couple of months, and he finally moved into the number three-hole, which pushed Seager back into the five-hole. And that's going to cost him some at-bats. Uh, it might actually be okay for his RBI total, but obviously his run scored is going to be hurt. And uh, with the fewer at-bats, his home runs, he might lose a home run or two or so. So a move back into the number three hole, which could come because I think Seager's performance is a lot more sustainable than Abanez, and Abanez is probably going to get cold just like he was hot. So that can come any moment, and, and that could get Abanez uh, drop back in the order, and hopefully that will allow Seager to move back up. But I think five overall, it's going to be a, big t- a bit tough. I think he needs to steal more bases in the second half to get there to be confident that he's going to do that. 
And uh, I don't know that he is. I mean, he's never been a big base dealer in the minor leagues. He's already been caught just as many times as he's been successful. So, Yeah, it's, like I said, steals aren't really what he's going to give you. And, you know, most people look at that from second base, but, you know, that's kind of the pitching holding effect. And like you said, I think he will slide back into the three-hole simply because he's the long-term solution there, and Ibanez, you know, clearly isn't. They may believe he's the short-term solution, whether or not that's true or not is a completely different story. But I think he's more natural in the three spot. I think he'll come back up there later in the year at some point. And so the problems with the bat at bat probably isn't going to be a huge issue. All right. One of the players that you had a lot of questions on is Jed Lowry. So at second base, you had him ranked ninth uh, versus the 22 consensus. I was at 19, Eno at 20, and Zimmer and Zips from Zimmerman was at 35. And then if you look at the shortstop, you had Lowry four overall. And I had him at 15, Eno at 12, and Zimmerman at 26. And uh, as pointed out in the comments, I mean, Lowry isn't a big power guy. He doesn't steal any bases. So you're basically banking on a high BABIP and uh, a good batting average. So uh, what are you expecting from him uh, for the rest of the season? I'm expecting pretty much what he's done in the first half, and that's assuming he can stay healthy, which is what I'm kind of banking on with that higher ranking, is I think, you know, Lowry's had a huge injury past, and he's never really been able to even put together a full season. But the things he's done this year to progress at age 29 is pretty good. You know, the strikeout rate's down by about three percentage points. The walks are about the same. He's hitting more line drives. You know, all these things that are contributing to that higher average and relying less on the BABIP. I mean, the last couple of years, even when he had a BABIP of, you know, 290 and as the last year as a Red Sox, his average was still about 250 because the strikeouts were still too high and the power wasn't there. But we're seeing more power this year than we did a couple years ago. Uh, we're seeing he has the ability to drive in runs and score because Oakland off, Oakland's offense is surprisingly sustainable and okay. But I just think he's an overall talent. I don't think the Steelers are going to be there, obviously. He's never stolen more than two bases in a year. But I think he can hit another seven home runs the rest of the way, hit close to 290, and I think that's pretty valuable from a shortstop when he's going to give you the other counting stats. Yeah, his power has really bounced around throughout his career. I mean, if you check out his isolated slugging totals, uh, he's been at 142, then 240, then down to 129, then up to 194, and this year down to 129. So it's really difficult to get a true sense of how much power Jed Lowry truly possesses. And his home run per fly ball as well has been all over the map, as high as 11.4%, as low as 2.3% in his first year with the Red Sox. So are you expecting any type of power surge in the second half or, or basically similar to what he's done so far? I think it's going to be hard for him to have a power surge because when he was in Boston, when he was at Houston, the ballparks were okay. But uh, he, Oakland's not a good ballpark for him. So it's going to be really hard to see a surge. And if he has it in him, it'll show up more in the way of doubles, which, you know, he's already had essentially a career high in doubles this year. He's two off what he did in 2008. And so that's kind of more where it's going to lie for him. He's going to be a, more of a double as a gap hitter, sort of like a Seager, where we're going to see some home runs. We're going to see a good batting average. Runs in RBI are going to be good, but he's not going to give you steals. But more of a doubles hitter, still more of a gap hitter, especially in Oakland. Yeah, surprisingly, I'm looking at his splits right now, and his isolated slugging is actually a tad higher at home than away. And uh, it's a bit of a surprise just because Oakland obviously suppresses home runs. But if you look at his BABIP, his BABIP is only 305 at home versus 350 away. That makes sense because there's a ton of foul territory there. And so that, as we know, takes hits away in that park. So that split makes sense. And that means that his overall BABIP, it's going to be tough to increase that. 
and it's already at, I, I believe, a career high right now, his BABIP at 330. Yeah, it's a, that's a career high. I think it's pretty sustainable. I mean, he's hitting a lot more line drives than normal. He's avoiding the pop-up. And uh, I, I do think that will continue to hit for a pretty good average. And uh, in the middle of the Athletics' pretty decent order this year, it should help his run at RBI numbers. I'm just not so sure he's going to have the power. Obviously, the lack of speed hurts him. And, and so I don't know how valuable that will allow him to be without that power is basically behind my ranking. Yeah, I think I just believe in the power a little bit more. I believe in his overall game. I think and maybe it's a little high, maybe it's not, but I've had him and it could be because I've had him in leagues and I've been happy with his performance. So, you know, automatically boost the guys up a little more that you've seen and been happy with. But I, I'm happy with him. I think he'll be a top 10 shortstop. I don't think that's really out of the question. All right. Speaking of shortstops, let's move along to another shortstop in Eric Ibar, who you ranked uh, 11th. I had him at 23, Eno at 22, and Zimmerman had him at 15. And, uh, Ibar is a guy who uh, got uh, a lot of sleeper hype because he was expected to open the season in the number two hall, which was in the middle of uh, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, then you had Josh Hamilton in the number four hall, then Mark Trumbo. I mean, this was one heck of a lineup spot, but his normal speed hasn't been there. He's only stolen four bases. He obviously doesn't have power. So he's been a bit of a disappointment in, in fantasy league so far. He Obviously, he got dropped in the order as well. So you're expecting a, a rebound, I assume, the rest of the season? I think the only thing he needs to rebound in is really steals. That's really the only number that's been down, you know, aside from, of course, the runs are down a little bit because he was where he's at in the order, but he's still hitting 290 in the year. His K rate is in the single digits, and that is extremely attractive to me. Uh, but with the average of 290, I think that's pretty valuable for a shortstop, you know, despite the lack of other numbers. And he does have that speed potential. He's stolen 30 bases before. He stole 20 last year, and I think it's if they let him run in the second half, he'll have a much better second half. Yeah, this is a surprise, actually. I mean, if he was still hitting number two in the lineup, it might make some sense that he's not stealing as often because why steal when you got Pujols, Hamilton, Trumbo, and all that power behind you? But he was dropped in the order. He's been hitting toward the bottom of the order most of the year, and yet he's only attempted eight steals, being successful on four of them. And it's a surprise that he just suddenly stopped running, considering that's what makes up a lot of his uh, offensive value. And he's been a pretty good base stealer in the past. He was only caught stealing four times all of last year, and he's already been caught four times this year. So you wonder if maybe he's been battling some sort of a leg injury that he hasn't said anything about and, and, and why he's really stopped running because this doesn't normally happen like this for a player who's you expect to to provide speed. I mean, guys like a Matt Holiday or Nick Markakis who are more power hitters and, and bigger guys, yeah, you would expect this, but not Eric Ibar. Yeah, I mean, we really didn't expect it, and that's part of the problem and why I think everyone else has him ranked lower is that the steals aren't there. But I still want that 290 as a batting average. I want the possibility of the steals. And, you know, he does have the ability to hit in a good lineup, whether or not most people are, you know, actually hitting in the lineup or not with guys like Hamilton and Trumbo. But I still think he can do it. I think the possibility is there, and I'm going to bank on it. Yeah, the 290, I think, is definitely pretty much for real. His bat is 310. Improved strikeout rate. He doesn't pop up the ball. He has a lot of line drives this year. Kind of hilarious, though. He only has eight walks all season long. That's pretty ridiculous. So he's worth more in a batting average league than an on-base percentage league because that OBP is only 307. 
and it's not like he's ever really shown a, a great ability to take the walk historically. So even if he rebounds a bit, it's going to be like a pace of 12 for the rest of the year. So it's not going to be much of, a, of an improvement. Yeah, he's he's essentially right now worthless in OVP leagues, and that's you know kind of sad. But he's never really had a good OVP, so it's not exactly surprising. Yeah. Speaking of disappointing, here's another guy who has been uh, a huge bust this year. And as we move along to third base, Brett Laurie has uh, killed his fantasy owners, including me, in my labor league. But you're even more down on him than everybody else. You have Laurie ranked 33rd among third uh, basemen. I'm at 15, and uh, Eno is at 17, Zimmerman's at 15 for an overall 19 consensus rank. So what are you expecting? If I mean, it seems like you're not expecting much at all from Laurie the rest of the year. No, I'm, I'm really not. And I think a lot of it comes from the talk that he may be sent to the minors. Uh, there was you know a lot of chat about that, especially when he was getting ready to come off the DL, whether or not he'd just stay in AAA or whether he'd come back to the bigs. And I think right now they're going to try to give him, you know, get him going in the major league level. But at a certain point, they're going to run out of patience, especially when they're trying to push for a playoff spot in Toronto. So I think there's a good chance he gets sent back down. And I think that's a lot of where my ranking comes from and the fact that I don't think he's going to accumulate any numbers at all for a certain stretch of time. So you really think that if he basically doesn't hit for the next couple of weeks, there's a, a chance that he can get demoted back to the minors and they'll go with a combination of a, maybe an Edwin Encarnacion, a Jose Batista, a, a Miserus Torres at third base? Yeah, I think they'll use some sort of combination, especially when they have guys like Bonifacio ready to go. They have Rajay Davis and Andy uh, – what's his name? The center fielder, the prospect. I don't remember his name anymore. But they have the guys ready to play the positions and move guys around like Batista. And so I think they're going to run out of patience because right now what he's doing is unacceptable for a major league player. Yeah, actually he's been hit, uh, playing second base since returning from the DL. And uh, I believe he actually came up with the Brewers – as a, a second base prospect. So he's played second base before. Uh, I don't think his defense was that good, which is why they moved him to third. He's been excellent at third base defensively, at least according to uh, UZR. So we'll have to see how his defense is back at second base. And, I mean, you got to assume that offensively he's got so much more upside than their combination of Bonifacio and Meiser as tourists. They're just not getting anything from those guys. So I feel like they've got to give him a pretty long leash, especially given his pedigree and, and just what they gave the team back in 2011. I mean, we still all have glimpses of that the stardom and, and that potential. So I guess it's it's frustrating to us that he's just been such a flop since then. I wouldn't call him, you know, necessarily a flop considering what he did last year. I mean, he, of course, he wasn't nearly as good as he was in 2011 last year. 2011, we're talking about, you know, only in 40 games really, but we're talking about a wob over 400, and that's essentially unheard of for the most part. And so we're dropping that down to, he, you know, he was a league average hitter for the most part in 2012, and he plays good defense at third, so he had value. But for what he's done this year, I, you know, I would say has been essentially worthless and a huge bust. Yeah, and actually what surprises me the most is his stolen bases. He's only attempted three, which if you multiply and extrapolate over a full season, that's 12 attempts all season long, and he had 21 last year, and that wasn't even in a full season. So for whatever reason, he's not stealing much, and, and he's coming back from that ankle injury now, and so you wonder if he's going to 
run at all now. So if he's not running, we don't know what his power is like. Was he sitting too many ground balls? Then I'm starting to think that maybe I was too optimistic with my number 15 ranking. Uh, I mean, basically, he's kind of a guy that you throw up your hands and you say, I have no freaking clue what he's going to do for the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's just a guess with him because we've seen such upside and we've seen really the downside this year and a little bit last year with, you know, the ground ball rate was essentially the same last year as it is this year. This year we're just seeing less line drives. And so he's got the talent, he has the ability, but will Toronto be patient enough to let him work things out in the majors? Or do they kind of realize that maybe this is, you know, to make a parallel, maybe this is a Dustin Ackley type situation where it's a guy you have to send down and see if he can get his head right and come back and see if he does something better. Or, you know, essentially like Justin Smoke did too. Send him down, see if they get their head right, see if they can figure out, you know, what was going wrong because clearly something's going wrong because this isn't what we've seen in the past. All right, let's move along to the outfield rankings where I got a bunch of names that I want to ask you about. And the first one is Justin Upton. Now, you ranked him 17. I was actually the second least optimistic. I was at 11, and then the the, the two remaining rankers, Eno and Jeff, had him at number 9. And, and that resulted in an overall consensus of 10th. So you're the least optimistic here, and obviously there are concerns. So you're... Are you not expecting him to really rebound over his uh, – I mean, he's been disappointing since the first month. So you're not expecting a, a, a real rebound then? I'm expecting him to play to exactly what I think you know his true talent is. And I think that's not what we saw earlier this year in the first month, of course. But I think it's closer to what we saw last year. You know, a guy who's going to be about a 20-20 guy, maybe a 25-25 guy. But, you know, the stolen bases haven't been there this year. The strikeout rate is back up, and the whiffs are pretty high up there. And so we're seeing some problems, and he has so much talent and so much ability. I mean, this is a guy that at age 23 was a 30 and 20 guy and hit 290 in the process. I mean, that's incredible, but he's sort of dropped off and stagnated, and maybe, you know, he's not going to get back to the level. Maybe he won't get better. You know, he's just 25, which is a little bit surprising. But he's just 25. He could get better. But I think he'll kind of settle around a little more power the rest of the year. Maybe maybe we're looking more about 10 home runs, maybe 5 to 7 steals, batting average around 270. And that's good. And, you know, that's top 24, which is where I still have him. But I don't think it's top 10. Yeah, I think the issue is his stolen bases. That I've noticed that between Angleton Simmons, Jason Hayward, uh, both Uptons. I mean, nobody is stealing as many bases as they have in the past. Freddie Gonzalez just isn't running as often as he did last year. And and so it's hard to imagine that any of the Braves' stolen bases, uh, any of the Braves' players' stolen base totals are going to increase uh, over the remainder of the season. And, and that's going to take a bite out of Justin Upton's value. And I wanted to ask you long-term on Justin Upton, because every time I think of Upton, every time I watch him and actually hit a home run, you basically dream of a 35 to 40 home run guy. I mean, that's what he looks like. He's a big guy. He hits long home runs, and you think that he could potentially be a 35 to 40 home run guy, and that just hasn't happened. Do you think that he will peak in the 35 to 40 home run range, though? I think he has that ability, and he did that, you know, like I said, almost in 2011. He's only 23, and so... He's still got a couple years until he's even physically peaked, uh, you know, to talk about standard aging curves. And so we think that, you know, he could do 35 to 40 one year. I think what's likely going to happen is he'll probably flash that one year and we'll all get excited and he'll never do it again. He'll settle in the 25 range like he's sort of done in the past. So he has the ability. He has the raw power, but it's just whether or not he realizes how to use it or not. 
All right, let's move along and switch course from power to speed. The next guy I want to ask you about is Jacoby Ellsbury. You had him at number 19. I was at 9, you know, at 11, and Jeff at 15. So clearly here, I mean, this is a guy who's going to give you speed, and, and that's what you're paying for. Obviously, good batting average and run score, but he's a stolen base guy. So do you think that his stolen base pace, I mean, he's stolen 36 bases, only caught three times. So you're betting on his stolen base pace to drop off over the rest of the season. I'm not sure if it's the stolen bases that are going to drop, or I'm more worried about the batting average. I think, you know, I don't think he can steal quite this pace the rest of the year. I mean, he's done 70 in the past, but I don't think he's quite the same player as he was then. I just see the batting average falling from his above 300 mark right now, and he's still, in my eyes, an injury risk. And he's had a little bit of scares this year with injury, and I don't think he'll be able to stay healthy all year. He may, it may just be missing a handful of games here and there. Maybe it's a 15-day stint. But I think the batting average is going to come down. And while steals are valuable, the big thing this year is that, you know, homers are way down in the league for the most part. And we're seeing home runs become more and more valuable. And so when he's not going to hit many of those, it's hard to be a top 10 outfielder. Yeah, you actually have a very good point about the batting average. His BABIP right now is at a career high of 346. Yet... His pop-up rate is is way above the league average at nearly 15%. His line drive rate is right at the league average. So I would imagine that his ex-BABIP is well below his current 346 mark, meaning that he's probably not going to hit higher than, let's say, 280, 290 the rest of the way, which is still good, but clearly not quite as valuable as his current 305 mark which means that he might be more of a, a two-and-a-half category contributor the rest of the way rather than a, a full three-category contributor. Yeah, and it depends often, you know, how the rest of the lineup does around him, of course, but, you know, they've been really productive thus far, but he doesn't have the chance to drive in runs so he's not hitting homers because, you know, the bottom of the lineup for the Red Sox isn't bad like some other teams, but it's not outstanding. So those numbers will come down a little bit. And he's still very, very good, and he's still a guy I want on my team, but just not a top-ten guy. All right, here's another guy that actually surprised me that we were off on ranks here because I feel like that most people pretty much, you know, consider him in a, a similar level, and that's Jay Bruce. So you ranked him at 28, and uh, I was at 16, Jeff and Eno both at 14. So the three of us were pretty consistent, but you were a lot less optimistic. And I'm going to guess that a lot of that has to do with his BABIP and his batting average. Am I right? Yeah, I don't think the batting average can stay there. And, you know, the power he goes through, you know, surges where he'll hit, you know, a huge amount of home runs for a week or two and they'll start to cool off. And that's sort of happened a couple of times this year. But the contact rate is what really is scaring me. And it's down about two and a half percent from last year. That's about two and a half percent different than it was essentially the rest of his career. He's been very consistent except for this year. So I'm worried that there might be some little bit of a problem. And he's like I say, still very good. He's the guy I want on my team, but I don't think he's the top guy anymore that we thought maybe could be at the start of the year because the improvements we're seeing maybe not so real. Yeah, and he's actually swinging and missing at the highest rate of his career. And, uh, well, the highest rate since 2008 in his uh, rookie season. So that's a concern. And uh, that makes you think that the increased strikeout percentage is, is no fluke and it's not really going to improve the rest of the year. And he's another guy, just like Michael Kadire, who's going to chip in a high single digit to 10 steals or so and doesn't necessarily get valued properly when uh, including those stats in your ranking. But he only has two this year. So, I mean, if he only steals another base, that's going to take a slight bite out of his ranking. Uh, 
rather than him stealing, you know, five or six bases the rest of the season like he has in the past. So, I mean, this is what you would expect from a guy like Jay Bruce, who's not exactly somebody that you think is a, a speed demon. You don't really think of him as stealing double-digit bases. Do you think he's going to steal more in the second half? I think he may steal two or three in the second half, but it's not going to be any more than that. Because, like you say, he's never even stolen double digits before, and so expecting anything more than that in the second half is kind of foolhardy. All right, let's move along to Starling Marte, who has been quite the the profitable pick for many a fantasy owner this year. And you have him all the way down at number 43. I'm at 27, so I'm also not as optimistic as the other two because Eno's at 13. Jeff Zimmerman and the Zips and Steamer projections love Starling Marte. They have him at 10th overall. So why do you not like Starling Marte for the rest of the year? I like him, and looking at it a little more now, you know, having a couple more days to digest it, I'd probably bump him up eh, maybe five to seven spots here. But, you know, I don't know how real the power is, especially in Pittsburgh where right-handers can have a hard time pulling the ball out. Uh, he's not a guy that has any kind of patience whatsoever, so he's going to start free-swinging at times. And so when he gets on a bad streak, he's going to have a really hard time getting on base. And when you have a hard time getting on base, you have a hard time stealing bases. And a lot of his value comes from the steal. And so he's one of those guys that's going to be hard to deal with at times. And, you know, a 360 BABIP actually isn't outlandish for him. It's not much more than we'd expect. And so I don't think the average will come down that much. But I worry a little bit about the power, and I worry a little bit about the steals having to come down simply because he doesn't get on base. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that even though his walk rate is terrible, his on-base percentage is 342, which I was questioning. I'm like, how is his on-base percentage so much higher than his batting average with such a terrible walk rate? And that's because he's been hit by 15 pitches this year. I don't know where that ranks in baseball, but I have to imagine it's got to be top three. And so I don't know what's led to all those hit-by-pitches, but hit-by-pitches is a skill. I mean, it's usually the same guys that lead the league every single year. So you got to assume that continues. Unfortunately, you also have to cross your fingers that that's not going to get him injured. But what I was really curious about is I don't see him as that much different than Carlos Gomez. And and you rank Carlos Gomez 10th versus your 43 ranking of Starling Marte. So what do you think is the difference between Gomez and Marte? Why do you like Gomez so much more? I think Gomez's power is a little more real, and I like his ballpark's a little better. Uh, I think he's got a little more overall speed, and so we see that reflect a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, they're not that different, and maybe, you know, looking at now, I should have them a little closer together. But it's just the overall package and the fact that Gomez has been in the league a lot longer, even though, you know, he hasn't had these kind of production for that long. Just being a little more of a veteran, being able to go through it a little more, I think I like I like Gomez a little more because of it, but probably not as much as the ranking shows. All right, let's get to our last player, and that's Josh Hamilton. And uh, obviously he's been a big bust. And the funny thing is, is that... I was basically driving the bus train. I think in my 10 bold predictions in the preseason, I had some very negative prediction on Josh Hamilton. And yet, of the three of us, I've ranked him the, the, the best for the rest of the season, which is kind of funny because he's basically done exactly what I expected him to do, which is to disappoint everybody. And, and yet, I'm the most optimistic. I ranked him 19th, which looks pretty crazy compared to the, the three others. You ranked him all the way back at 67. So clearly, you are not expecting any sort of rebound here no i'm really not and i think you know the power has been a little bit better recently from hamilton but for the most part he's looked really broken this year and he doesn't have a history of playing exactly well in the second half uh 
if I recall correctly, and I could be wrong there, but the numbers seem to show to me that his second halves aren't usually as good as his first. He seems to peter out a little bit, get tired or get injured for a lot of cases. And so he's always an injury risk. And for the most part, he just looks broken at the plate, kind of like he did in the second half of last year, where it's like, wow, this is a guy that you have legitimate concerns about giving that huge contract to. And the Angels did it. And so far, it's certainly not paying off for them. And I don't think ranking him highly is going to pay off anywhere for fantasy. You know, I actually expected about 25, 27 or so home runs in the preseason. So in terms of power and home runs, he's doing exactly what I expected. Might not be as many as other fantasy owners, but he's not really been a bust in that respect. But I do think that his batting average is going to rebound. I mean, obviously, he's hitting two twenty four. It's highly unlikely he he stays there all season. Uh, I think his BABIP is going to rebound. He's never BABIPed below 315. I mean, that's his lowest of his career was 315. So I think that his 263 current BABIP is definitely going to increase. He doesn't pop it up too often. He's hitting line drives. His batted ball profile is pretty close to where he's been in the past. So so I think he's going to bat you know, 260, 270 the rest of the way, stay on his home run pace. And I think he makes it for a decent buy low, not a great one. It really depends on your expectations and how much it'll cost you to buy. But uh, clearly I'm more optimistic than you on, you know, a somewhat better second half than he's shown so far. Yeah, and he very well could. And the one thing to look at is, of course, his, uh, I believe his infield full ball rate's about, yeah, it's about double what it was in the past that he's ever had before. So it's a little bit of concern. And also the contact rate's below 70%. And that is something you just never want to see. And it makes me think that his strikeout rate could go down even further because he makes up for a little bit by swinging so much. So those missed swings don't always accumulate together because, you know, just, simple math there but it's just the entire package isn't that appealing to me right now and i think i think this could be the last year we really see people hyping up josh hamilton yeah you wonder what happened to him last year because hidden beneath that huge season all those home runs is that his strikeout percentage took a big jump his swinging strike rate jumped and his contact percentage declined significantly so he made up some of that this year with the swinging strikes and the, the contact percentage, but his strikeout percentage is just as poor. And so you wonder what happened last year that caused his uh, inability to actually make contact, and, and, and that hasn't rebounded. And that's a, a real concern, especially at his age and given his uh, injury history. So, yeah, it's, it's true. I, next year, he might be one of those guys that gets named as a sleeper by many but he's probably not going to rebound significantly, and his new level of performance will be 25 to 30 home runs, batting 260 to 270. Yeah, I think. In, I mean, last year too. I look at the second half numbers from last year, and he still, you know, he still had the power last year. But this is a guy second half was striking out about 30 percent of the time, and that dropped his average to about 260, and that's just more power than he's shown this year. And so you combine all those things together, it's just like I, you know, like I've been saying, the overall package isn't good. He's got some parts that are very nice, and you could have some decent rest of the year with. But I just think, you know, he's definitely on the downhill slide, and I don't want to be paying for a guy that's going downhill. All right, well, that's a wrap, folks. So join us again on Sunday for more fantasy fun on the Sleeper and the Bust. For Zach Sanders, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>